this point, I can really start getting ro get rolling, and you know I'm excited to get back on the field, get healthy, and be ready for this training camp. You know that was a business aspect of football, and at this point, I'm here. I'm excited to be with Chip and these coaches. Uh, the offense has been amazing. My teammates have been great with their support. Uh, I'm excited to be back on the field with them. It was a great feeling to be out there this week, and you know the fan support that I've gotten through everything. And especially seeing people out, the support that I've gotten was amazing. It's really made me excited to be out here and play. It's time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. Thanks for joining us once again, Gold Faithful. We're back. It's mini camp review, training camp preview edition. I'm Brian Peacock. With me, as always, Mr. Nick Winkler. How you doing, man? Well, you know, anytime you get to hear from Kaepernick and it's not just, uh, yes, uh, no, uh, yes, maybe so. You know, <laughs> that's just fantastic. Got to love it. Oh, absolutely. We have such a good show today, too. It's, we've got it. It's Cap versus Gabbert today. Uh, we're bringing back our top five segments that we had last offseason. Um, I'm actually, I, we kind of flipped the coin on this. It's, it's not so much that one of us really thinks one guy or the other should win the job, but uh, I pulled the Cap card uh, Nick is going to be on on Team Blaine, and uh, we're going to give our top five reasons why uh, those guys should be winning the starting job this season. Also, our very favorite guest, Mr. Matt Barrows, 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. You know him, and we all love him. He's uh, It's always a pleasure to have him on, the great Matt Barrows. And he got to attend those mini camps as well, so right. it's going to be great to kind of get his take on that since we unfortunately had to do our day jobs <laughs> and weren't able to go out there like, like lucky Mr. Barrow. So it'd be great to hear his uh, his take on that. I definitely want to ask him uh, a lot about the battles, you know, going into to training camp, because basically what you heard throughout the mini camps was, you know, almost every position is wide open right now. There's a ton of competition going on. And uh, that's going to be really fun, and especially with all those late draft picks. Nobody really has an edge up on anything. One thing I've noticed definitely from all the reports from the numerous beat writers is that pretty much all the rookies are taking third team reps right now. Right. Which is, that's the way it should be. Yeah, of course. I agree. Um, you give the veterans a chance, you know, you let the rookies kind of sit back and, and see how it's done. You know, see, this is their first mini camp, you know, they've never been anything through, you know, through anything like this before, obviously, you know, they have their, their spring sessions and stuff like that in college, but this is just, you know, now it's a job before, before it was school. It was fun. It was a passion. Now this is their career. This is their life. Right. They're almost having a, a sort of a spring internship before they get hired on for the real go. thing uh, in the fall. It's going to be a cap heavy episode because we're going to talk about cap versus Gabbert a little bit later. And obviously he came back uh, this week at minicamp. And the number one thing that jumps out, you heard him in that clip. It was, he, is he like on a healthy dose of Xanax or <laughs> is it really coached up by his, uh, you know, by his agent that, yeah, that was an odd version of Colin Kaepernick that we saw this week. Yeah, it's like Kaepernick 2.0. You know, he, he's he gone out, he's saying all the right things. You know, he's out there during the mini camps, even though he can't throw and he, he couldn't practice for the first part. He's out there doing the footwork and he's in the classroom and he's, you know, he, he's doing everything right right now, which as a 49er fan, you definitely want to see because let's be honest, he he ruffled a lot of feathers in the offseason, you know, not just in the fan base, but I'm sure in the locker room as well. So it's it's good to and he ruffled a lot of feathers with the press, you know, during during uh, you know 2014, the end of 2014, most of 2015, and so so he's doing he's doing everything right. 
Now, it once he starts really passing on 11-11 drills come training camp, yeah, that, that's a whole different story. Yeah, and if if he does hit a little adversity, if he if he doesn't win the starting job, I right. wonder what kind of cap we're going to see in front of the media then. But right now, it seems like he's kind of a changed man. I mean, you heard him talk about it. It was just business. He, he he's kind of um, and we're going to talk about a lot of this later. But he's it's it's yeah, like you said, I like I like the way you put that cap two point um, mm-hmm. He had to he had to go through some injury stuff. He probably had to do a lot of soul searching. He probably realized a lot of teams weren't as excited about bringing him in as he probably right. thought was going to happen. Like, oh, I'm going to request a trade, and I'm going to have just a line out the door. Oh, right. wait, just the Broncos? Oh, <laughs> yikes. Yeah, or Cleveland and a yeah. pay cut. <laughs> oh, the Jets. They just, oh, they're, they're not interested? Okay, all right. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that'll be interesting, and we'll see if Smiley Cap, uh, if, if that's a continuing trend. Um, actually, Smiley me, Cap, I like that. Yeah, exactly. And so let, let's hear from uh, Chip Kelly on how, how Cap looked back at minicamp. He's really stayed on top of everything, so he didn't show what I would think would be the normal. He was very quick in the decision-making process. There may have been some timing issues, and that was expected just because he hadn't thrown with them. But he was better on day two than he was on day one. But I would, you know, I think that is a credit to him in terms of what he did when he wasn't out there going full speed from a, a physical standpoint. He was from a mental standpoint, and that's that's benefited him. So um, it's a credit to him, and I, I, w- I was impressed. You know, he actually did more on Tuesday than we thought he was going to do. But um, it, it's really listening to his body and what his comfort level is. But, uh, you know, for two days, I was really impressed with him. So all good things so far. Um, and you know what? I really like Chip Kelly's demeanor with the media. He, the, When he came from Philly, he got crapped on so much. So much. And I, I, he tells it straight. He's a smart guy, obviously. Um, I really like what what I've seen from Chip Kelly so far. Obviously, a lot of uh, wins and losses will dictate how people feel about him going forward. But as of now, I, I mean, I stamp my uh, approval on Chip Kelly. Yeah, I mean, you know, when the rumors started flying um, about him possibly coming over, I got I got excited, and, and and just for the 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 one reason of him him bringing some excitement to this club, something that they lacked last season completely. And and like you said, I I like everything he's doing so far. You know, they're, they're drafting guys that fit his system there. He's saying all the right things to the media. He's given everybody a fair shot also, which I I really enjoy. I mean, you know, uh, obviously there's a lot going on behind the scenes that we we don't know about, you know, that, that they, they're, they've got planned this and that, but so far, man, I I am 100% behind Chip Kelly. And, you know, I don't know if you saw the most recent article about Kaepernick and how he uh, he went out and, and got some new contact lenses as well to help his short uh, vision. And he, he may even uh, work with a tin advisor this year. That's something he's kind of messing around with right now. So, I mean, that's that's one of the big knocks on Kaepernick is his accuracy. So th- this could be a huge step. I saw that the visor thing, and, and from what I understand, it's not legal. So I don't know if that's something just to – to make it easy on his eyes while he goes through training camp. But oh, I don't think he can use a 10 advisor uh, on game day. I mean, I, I would, I would expect most quarterbacks would just because it'd be harder to see their eyes and see what's going on there. Um, and I'm not positive on that, but I don't Was think it grandfathered that's... in with Michael Vick then. I mean, he wore those a oh, lot. Yeah. You know, I don't know. That's a great question. That's something we need to look into. Uh, if you know out there, go ahead and uh, give us a tweet. You can find me at BD Peacock on Twitter. You can find Nick at Bay area wink. Uh, and always, uh, Hey, subscribe to the show on iTunes. Reviews always help. You can always give us a phone call, a rant, or text, 415-858-0094, or email goldfaithful49 at gmail.com. A chip did, I want to say, he went on to say right after that quote that somebody asked about how they were going to divvy up reps in training camp. 
And it's funny because he's like, yeah, we, we run plenty of plays. The reps aren't <laughs> going to be hard to find. And I thought that was funny. And that's going to be the big – that's going to be such a stark contrast from the 49ers offense from last year and under Harbaugh. They're, they're going to run 70 plays a game. Right. It's going to be – it's going to be – like almost unrecognizable just how they play the game when, when they come out in, in in training camp and in week one. So that's another exciting aspect. Just see exactly. something a little bit different. Got a little bit tired of seeing what was going on in offense last the year. predictable play calling so often. And when you just said unrecognizable from a year ago, I, I got excited. Like I, yeah. I already know that that's the case, but just, just based on how bad they were last season most of the year i mean they 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 had little flashes here and there of of really good football but they were few and far between and you know if anything is going to be improved it it needs to be that offense and and definitely that offensive line where i think there's going to be some good battles uh, as we head into into training camp not not to mention you know more anthony davis talk i mean another tweet where he's like oh yeah you know i'm still coming back and then some comment about his jersey and then it's deleted which is i think one of davis's most favorite things to do is he likes to tweet and then immediately just delete it? Yeah, he likes to screw with people. Yeah, yeah. I, I stopped listening to him a long time ago. Uh, if he yeah, does you, come you back, you don't care anymore. Yeah, I don't care. He's not a 49er. and if he does come back, I'd be really surprised if he actually suits up. If anything, cut or traded, I would assume. I just he's not. Yeah, he's he's a non-factor to me. So I stopped paying attention to it. It's just it's ridiculous at this point. And not that it, I mean it's kind of fun actually. I think yeah. he's having a good time with it. He doesn't well, for need me, to work. Yeah, I mean, he made a, right. a nice little bit of cash as long as he's not squandered all of that money he made from his rookie contract uh, in, the, in the beginning of his second contract. But, um, yeah, it's it's kind of a joke. It's it's, it's whatever. It's it's on the periphery. I, it's funny how people get wound up about it and pay attention to it. Whatever he says means absolutely nothing to me at this point. Well, see, for, for me, from, from my point of view on this, our offensive line is so bad that, it, that he's like he's like the – the ray of sunshine that you hope peeks through, you know, on a, on a super cloudy day, because yeah, he took a year away from football. He, he's reportedly much smaller. He's this and that, but you know, this is the guy that started from day one. That was fantastic at right tackle. I, I just don't feel like I, we have the luxury to, to not look at a guy like this. If he does want to come back, just based on how poorly this offensive line played a year ago. Yeah. And I feel you on that. And it, they, there's no, there's no new starters brought in either at, at right. that position in the offseason. Right. Which is what you thought was going to happen. You thought they were going to go out. They had all this money. Okay, they're going to bring in, you know, a starting right tackle to, you know, to pretty much balance out that line. You got the great Joe Staley on the left side. You got all this money to spend, and and, and they didn't. Yeah. And that was, that was the biggest biggest shock to me. Yeah, no high draft picks to compete there. Right. Um, right. Their first draft pick was a guard. It just it seemed really odd. And the frightening thing, we're going to talk a little bit more with Matt Barrows about this, but Eric Pierce, we saw how bad he was at right tackle, and he's taking first team reps again. <laughs> and the guy, right, who, and that's probably the the veteran thing once again. You know, Pierce has a little bit more time than than Trent Brown does, so you, you definitely let him run with with the first team. But I I wouldn't be surprised to see you know once training camp gets started to, to see Trent Brown out there you know running with the ones. I hope so. I hope it's more of a function of them saying, "Hey, you got to get into better shape to earn this right. this starting job." Because he won the job by the end of the season. He was the starter when the season ended. So I was kind of surprised to see somebody else jump back over him that we already saw play poorly. And the the even see the right tackles is scary. But you know what's even scarier? What happens if Joe Staley gets hurt? Right. 
Who, who's protecting the blind I mean, side of yeah, these guys? If, if you don't have a right tackle, you sure as heck don't have a left tackle. Yeah, you are exactly right place. about that, which is another reason why anytime Anthony Davis even mentions you know, the possibility of coming back, I get excited. And there's a new name on the market now, Eugene Monroe from the Ravens, who was just cut uh, today or, or late last maybe night. Maybe last night, maybe today. Yeah, yeah. I saw that. I, and that's definitely you know intriguing. You're talking about a veteran here, a guy who who's had some injury problems in the past, but you know what offensive lineman hasn't had his share of injuries, but yeah, he's a, he's a guy that I wouldn't be surprised to that. If the 49ers, you know, kick the tires on. Uh, it's a, it's a need fit. Um, and it's, it doesn't seem to fit though. What the 49ers MO is, which is pretty much a straight rebuild. They brought some young guys in to compete and it seems like they're okay with that. Um, yeah. unless maybe what happened in free agency is they thought, something was going to happen differently in the draft where they were going to draft somebody high. Mm-hmm. And maybe now they're looking back thinking, well, that didn't go quite as we thought early. And we didn't get that guy who could possibly start at right tackle. So we took a couple other guys later, yeah. but maybe we no, do they, need they a better on him in Laramie Tunsil. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm never going to let that go. Yeah. Go back to uh episode number 28, the last episode <laughs> draft review show. If you want to hear, uh, hear Nick's take on, <laughs> on, would you you you're, you call you're, it a take? You can call it a rant. You know. <laughs> yeah, it was it was it was more just a disappointment. You you, you said they wussed yeah. out basically. They did. Yeah, I might have called them a worse word than that. I'm mm-hmm. not sure. I I blacked out a little bit afterwards, but uh, yeah, it just you know when when your offensive line is your biggest issue, and and another thing that really stunk for the mini camps was the fact that that you know Garnett couldn't even participate. Yeah, because, that's because of school, because of Stanford, you know, I mean, the, the guy missed out on a lot of time and that that's their highest uh, offensive lineman, their highest draft pick there on the offensive side. And, and what do you get to participate in three days at the end? Yeah, those last three days uh, in minicamp. But all reports were that he was kind of he jumped in and looked good. So it's always a bummer with those guys that are on the uh, quarter system that can't get get in and, and start practicing with their teams right away until June. Uh, that's always a bummer every year, but uh, it looks like he's didn't really miss a beat, so that that's a good sign. Yeah, yeah. And obviously, when when your biggest weak point is the offensive line, you know any any sort of um, sort of sort of missing out on an opportunity such as this, it it, it hurts you in the long run. And I get it. You know, it, the, the kickoff's not until September. There's plenty of time. He's he's not going to miss any time. You know, fingers crossed that that you know, barring any injuries, he he'll be there for from day one come training camp. But Oh man, I'm just the question marks. Just I don't I don't think anything's been answered there on the offensive line, and there were so many questions heading into the offseason. No, you've got the offensive line, you've got wide receivers, yeah. you've got quarterback, you've got uh, middle linebacker, you've got corner. Right? There's so many camp battles that are going to be happening. I think the defensive line. I think you kind of can see what's going to be happening there right now. Buckner's taking third team reps as a rookie, but I think he's going to end up being the starter across from uh, Armstead, and then you'll see Dial in the middle probably until Williams come back and then who knows what that's going to look like. But you kind of know the base guys there, you know, who's playing outside linebacker, uh, you know, who's at safety. Uh, we know who's at running back. We got one legit starter that hopefully can stay healthy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you drone looked good last year. He's looking like he's going to be the number two there. And in a chip Kelly offense too, you, you got to think that you need uh, two running backs that can play a lot of snaps. Yes. And they're going to throw to the running backs a lot more. I think I right. Jeff Dini from pro football focus, I had a tweet today that mentioned um, last year Carlos Hyde stayed in to block on third downs 31% of the time. And mm. under Chip Kelly, their running back stayed in to block 7% of the time. 
I'm surprised it was even that high. So yeah, so they're going out on passing routes on third down. They're trying. They're trying to uh, complete the ball uh, to their also, running backs. Also, got a, a fullback that has now transitioned out to a tight end position yes. in Bruce Miller. Another unsettled position. Selleck, right. Miller now in the in the mix there with McDonald and Bell and a few other names. So that's going to be interesting how that shakes out. I really, you know me, I, I, I'm not a fan of McDonald. I've seen him. I've right. I, We've seen what he is, and I, I'm not worried about him. I, I would like to see a lot of Miller and a lot of Selleck, actually, because I think Selleck, like we talked about with uh, with um, uh, Trent Brown, he, he won the job last year. He was the starter right. to end the season, and I think Flat that out. tells a lot. And so Selleck, I think, is going to be that guy. Uh, to to be the starter and then and then Miller you can kind of move him around and be a chess piece for you because he can yeah block I mean, he, he might he even catch. be out there running the slot yeah they, you know? he, he he got work at receiver apparently yeah. which is surprising for a, a fullback to be working out a receiver some Delaney Walker style action there from Miller which which kind of gets me excited a little bit yeah yeah Bruce Miller is a football player you know you want him on the field as often as you can and, and in a Chip Kelly system you know, there's no fullback so I'm glad that that they're trying to work him in. Yeah, and you talk about your best 11. I, Miller right now is one of those guys. Yeah, he's got to be. He definitely has to be, especially when you're you're looking at, you know, Torrey Smith as your num- number one wide receiver, and then there's a huge drop-off. Well, what do you say we find out how uh, Matt Barrows sees it and, and what he saw from his vantage point on the sideline at 49ers minicamp? He's the 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. Follow him on Twitter at Matt Barrows. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. Hey, anytime, Matt. Hey, so mini camps, they're done. They're concluded. You got to, you know, spend a lot of time out there. You got to see a lot of it. 49ers made it pretty clear that quite a few spots on the starting rosters, both offensively and defensively, up for grabs. So everybody knows Cap and Gabbert, that's the most obvious kind of battle as we head into training camp. But what do you think the, the next best competition is? Well, um, remember how bad the uh, offensive line was last year, um, you know, and, and Eric Pierce and Jordan Devi, Devi were, you know, two of the, the names that we most associated with, uh, you know, those, those lapses. And so it was a bit of a surprise when uh, OTA began and, and there was Eric Pierce back in the same spot, right tackle. <laughs> um, after all the sort of the, the postmortems that said, you know, he was – he probably should have played guard. That's what uh, he was he was signed to do. And then Anthony Davis uh, suddenly retired, and so they needed Pierce at at right tackle, uh, which is not his natural position, especially you know this late in his career. Well, <laughs> there was Pierce again um, at right tackle uh, when when the May OTAs began, and he basically was there with the uh, first string unit throughout May and throughout June. And so uh, until somebody takes that job away from him, um, you know, Eric Pierce is going to, again, be the, the right tackle. So I think the offensive line as a whole and then that right tackle spot in particular um, is an interesting um, spot to watch when, when training camp starts up. Uh, inside linebacker will, will be interesting. There's a three-man um, competition there among um, – uh, Ray Ray Armstrong, Gerald Hodges, and Michael Wilhoyt to play next to Navarro Bowman. Um, it, you know, for all the world, it looks as if Jimmy Ward is going to be a, a starting cornerback. Um, and, and he and Tremaine Brock have a lot of similarities. And I think uh, they both have traits, uh, very aggressive type of guys that, uh, that the 49ers want on what promises to be a, an, aggressive, uh, an aggressive defense this year. But to me, 
you know, that, that offensive line uh, is just such an important uh, unit. And it was so bad last year. And, and I think a lot of the, the issues, the struggles stem from that. Uh, that's got to be the number one to watch, be, uh, you know, once you get beyond the, uh, the quarterback competition. Right. And the, the guy who won the job and ended up being the starter at the end of last year, beating out Eric Pierce, was uh, Trent Brown. And it, I think it was you that reported he kind of didn't maybe look like he was in uh, good enough shape to be running this uh, this up-tempo scheme. Do you think it's more of a function of, of the coaching staff saying, well, hey, if you want the starting job, you're going to come back in better shape in training camp? Yeah, I think that's part of it. And, and frankly, I think um... – you know the 49ers wanted to run fast practices. I mean, they wanted to get going quickly, and uh, it, for the most part, the veteran players, the, uh, the Antoine Buffets, the Joe Staley's, the Daniel Kilgore's, the Eric Pierce, were the guys who were able to pick up this offense the quickest, and, and you know, able to um, you know practice uh, at a fast pace. And, and so, I think that it's a combination of just Trent Brown's youth. The fact that he hasn't been in the NFL very long, he's he's not able to pick up things quite as quickly as a multi-year veteran might be, and um, he didn't look like he was in good shape. So I think it, it, it's a combination of both of those things. Um, you know, that that's not to say that he can't overtake peers at some point, but uh, I, I think it's obvious that the 49ers want to see more from him in training camp than they were seeing in the spring. And Matt, you know, I, I, since we're talking about offensive line here, I'd love to get your take on Anthony Davis. I know it's tough to speculate, you know, will he unretire, won't he? But do you have any sort of uh, kind of idea of how you think this is going to shake out? No, I don't. In fact, I, I ran into Anthony Davis uh, just last week at my favorite uh, interview spot for 49ers, which is the Safeway uh, that's, that's near the facility. Uh, he was in there. He looks fantastic. I mean, he looks like he's in, in very good shape. Um, I talked to him for about five minutes. Anthony Davis is not a guy that, that likes to, to share things. Um, he's, he, like, like I've said several times, he marches to the beat of his own drummer. And, um, you know, I asked him, I said, you know, why, why don't you just tell me what's going on? I, I, I want to, you know, be able to put out there the, tr- the truth. Uh, you know, there's a lot of speculation as to why you're not back with the team, why you haven't applied for reinstatement yet. Um, but he would not. He would not uh, play ball. He did not want to tell me uh, what was going on. So, uh, you know, I think that's partially what the 49ers are struggling with, too. This is a guy that uh, he's different from other people. And, uh, you know, that, that, that can be a good thing and a bad thing. But in a, in a sport where everybody is, uh, it's a very regimented sport, you got to kind of toe the line and, and uh, march with the rest of the team. Um, you know, Anthony Davis is an individual, and sometimes that, rubs the wrong way and i think that's sort of uh, the uh you know the macro of the uh of the problem that uh, anthony davis and the 49ers are having right now matt i thought for sure you were going to say french laundry was your go-to spot <laughs> yeah it's not exactly local to santa clara it's uh, it's a bit of a hike uh but yeah I, I like to go there every now and then but uh on a reporter's salary, uh, it, it can't be a regular spot. Yeah, I always go there when uh, Kawakami's picking up the tab. <laughs> That's right. Although, if you if you read the Kawakami stuff closely, you will see that Matt Barrows yes. paid a chunk <laughs> of that bill. Uh, so if anybody was ripped off in this whole French laundry <laughs> escapade, it was poor Matt Barrows. I'm the victim here. Yeah, you weren't a part of that bet. 
I was part of that bet. The, the, the bet was that Matt Barrows would get a free meal. I did not get a free meal out of the whole thing. <laughs> what did you have? It's, uh, it's something like a 20-course meal. So oh, it's just, the better it's question a, is, what didn't you have? It's the tasting uh, menu there, there that they decide for I, I you. Can't, huh? I can't recall exactly what it was. I mean, it was absolutely uh, incredible. I mean, the, the cuisine is, is out of this world. It's, uh, it uh, meets the reputation that the, the French Laundry has, but it's, it's this and that. The portions are very small, but it keeps coming all night, and so does the wine. That's awesome. Hey, hey Matt, uh, Eugene Monroe, re- released by Baltimore. You think the, the 49ers have any sort of interest in, in picking up a, a veteran like that? Yeah, it doesn't seem so. I mean, um, if you read the report that came out today, it seems like the, the Giants are the, the number one contender. They were actually talking trade with the Ravens. Um, you know, I don't know whether the 49ers were in that mix or not, but, uh, you know, the, the whole lesson from free agency is that, you know, the 49ers, Trent Balk, they think that they got the guys right now. I mean, they're not, they're not going to be uh, heavy spenders in, in any of this. So, um, uh, I, I'd be a, a bit surprised if that changed, uh, from here on out when it comes to somebody like Eugene Monroe, uh, who, by the way, missed, uh, 15 games over the last two seasons. So even if they picked him up, um, you know, he, he's a guy that has not been a consistent starter and, and that's what they need at that spot. One more question here on the offensive line. If God forbid, Joe Staley gets hurt and has to miss some games, who would be the left tackle that stepped in there? It's a good question. Um, you know, the other day when they were playing, it was it was Piers who would, uh, you know, I, I think that they were practicing a scenario like that, and uh, Piers was the guy who moved, moved over to, to left tackle, and then Brown was the right tackle in that scenario. So it, it looks like for all the world, um, Eric Piers would be the guy who would move into that critical left tackle spot. And if, if you'll remember, the last couple of years, it was Alex Boone who would have had that job. Um, the, uh, you know, he, he would be the emergency left tackle if something happened to, to Joe Staley. And I think that actually did happen. I don't know. I don't remember if it was 2014 or 2015, but, uh, Boone did have to come in and play left tackle and, and he did, did a good job, uh, as an emergency. So, you know, uh, that, that's another, um, loss that they had when they let Alex Boone go in free agency. Um, uh, Zane Beatles was, was signed, but they're not going to stick Zane Beatles at left tackle like they could Alex Boone. So again, you know, this, this idea of, of, uh, not only not dipping, uh, you know, or not, you know, uh, plunging into free agency, but really not going hard after your own free agents as well this year and letting some talented guys go. We'll have to remain, uh, it remains to be seen, you know, what kind of consequences that has, but, that's a potential one right there. If anything were to happen to Joe Staley, who, by the way, is, is 32 years old yeah. and, you know, re- reaching the home stretch of his career. Was there anybody else that, that really wasn't on your radar before OTAs and minicamp that kind of jumped out to you during practices? You know, um, I wrote about this the other day. Uh, Trace Anderson was a guy who, uh, you know, got a lot of publicity last spring when they signed him as an undrafted free agent. And he was the... Uh, you know, the number one guy on their list, the, the biggest priority free agent that they've signed, uh, son of Flipper Anderson, uh, had a had a nice uh, career at, at the University of Utah. And then he just kind of, uh, you know, faded into the background. He had trouble uh, with an injury, and he went on an injury list all of last season, and you just kind of forgot about him. He was not in the mix last year. Uh, he looked good in the minicamp, uh, and, and various receivers have, but 
he's the guy who looked the best, uh, you know, the, the most recently and, and consistently. Um, I thought it was interesting that when Colin Kaepernick was, was with the second team offense during the seven-on-seven seven drills, and I don't know, he probably got uh, 20 or so passes uh, a practice in, in that uh, uh, scenario, he uh, invariably would go to uh, Grace Anderson. So he, he was uh, throwing towards uh, Anderson quite a bit, and the two were, were hooking up. And so Anderson looked good, albeit against the, uh, the second-team defense. But he was a guy that, that definitely caught my eye. Um, you know, Jimmy Ward was, is an obvious one, just, just playing on the, uh, on the outside this year. Um, like I said, he's a lot like Tremaine Brock in that he's not a, a huge guy. I think he's listed at 5'11". He's probably 197 pounds or, or so, but he's aggressive and, um, you know, is going to be able to play that press coverage. And, and that's what um, uh, Jim O'Brien or Jim O'Neill, sorry, uh, wants in this defense. He wants these, uh, these cornerbacks uh, pressing and, and taking chances and, and, and taking risks and, hopefully, um, you know, making big plays. And so I think uh, Brock and, and Ward are sort of cut from the same cloth when it comes to that uh, that attitude and, and that philosophy. How about any uh, of the guys from, from this year's draft, any specific rookie that, that stood out to you at minicamp? Yeah, well, I mean, uh, you know, the, the, the number one one was uh, DeForest Buckner, who, you know, everything you saw at the University of Oregon, you're, you're seeing here. You know, the first thing that strikes you is, is the size, but he's able to to move around. He, he's a, a quick guy for someone who's six foot seven and you know just shy of 300 pounds. It, it's hard to really evaluate these uh, defensive linemen because they're they're basically just you know banging against a, a sled all day long and, and not really going against. Uh, you know, an offensive lineman, uh, not a lot of live, not any live drills at this point. So those those very first um, live one-on-one blocking drills in, in training camp are always interesting to watch. And so I'm uh, I'm eagerly anticipating DeForest Buckner, yeah, the, the the guy who who I thought looked good and, and just really did a great job in in the short amount of time that he had was uh, you know the second uh, guy picked uh, Joshua Garnett uh, missed all of May. And, uh, you know, came in for this three-day minicamp uh, last week and, and really looked like he'd been there throughout the spring. And, and, and that's a big deal, I think, in, in a Chip Kelly offense because it's moving so fast. And these guys made up so much ground from that, that first April minicamp to the last one. And Garnett was able to come in and look like he didn't miss a beat. So I think that bodes very well for him in training camp and, and bodes well for his uh, prospects of, uh, eventually winning a, a starting spot, whether that's on the left side or the right side, I don't know yet, but um, it, it was a good first step for Garnett. I got one more question for you. I want to double back on that, on the wide receiver stuff. Um, Torrey Smith, obviously, is going to be one of those starters, and it sounds like Ellington's getting a lot of work in the slot. Uh, what do you see on the other outside wide receiver spot across from Torrey Smith? You know, I, I think that that job is, is up for grabs. I mean, um, like I said about the offensive line, I, I think an overarching theme of the spring was that it was veteran guys in, in all of these, you know, quote unquote, starting roles, the, the first string roles, uh, guys who had been here, guys who had been in the NFL for a few years. I know that Quentin Patton hasn't been in for, for very long, but it, it's still longer than the bulk of that wide receiver group, which was a young group. So 
I don't know whether we can read into, you know, certainly these uh, starting spots aren't, aren't locked in at this point. Uh, but I think the real jockeying is going to happen in, in, in training camp in the preseason. And so um, uh, I, I think Ellington is, is just what they're looking for at that slot spot. Uh, and I don't know if Patton is or not. I mean, I, I think that job is, is up for grabs. I think he's got a good shot of getting it. But all of these guys, Eric Rogers, um, you know, I, I mentioned Trace Anderson, uh, DeAndre Campbell, uh, looked good at times. Uh, all of these guys, I think, have a legitimate chance of uh, you know, maybe not winning the the role in week one, but but getting rolled in through the offense and, and you know uh, ha- having a chance to win it at some point. Um, you know, uh, just to go back to your question about rookies, uh, another guy who started to come on towards the end, I thought was was Aaron Burbridge, um, the the six round pick wide receiver from uh, Michigan State. He, he's a guy that. He's almost, uh, to me, the, the opposite of, of A.J. Jenkins. Um, when you look at Burbridge on the field, he seems bigger than he is. And, and you always get that impression out of Anquan Bolden. You, you watch Anquan Bolden in a practice in a game, and then you go interview him afterwards, and you realize this guy's barely six feet tall. And, and he looks like he's nine feet tall in the game. It's just because he, he carries himself. He's a very physical guy. I think Burbridge has a lot of those qualities in, in, in He's another guy like like Ellington who uh, was getting a lot of work at the slot position, something that's pretty new to him. And so I, I think it took him most of the spring to sort of adjust to that. But um, he, he started to come on in the, at the end as well. And, you know, another guy that's probably going to be in the mix when uh, training camp in the preseason roll around. Yeah, I was wondering if they were going to s- put uh, Verbridge in the slot a little bit because, uh, Chip, uh, you know, if you go by what w- went down in Philly with Jordan Matthews, he kind of liked the bigger slot receiver. And I think he thinks he has an advantage to running the ball with three wide receivers. If that that inside guy isn't just a, a you know like a a quick little scat type of wide receiver that someone that can block. So um, that I mean I was I get excited here and you talk about all this competition that's going to happen in training camp. It's going to be so interesting. But Matt, before you go, I got to ask you one more question. Rumor has it you're leaving for summer vacation. So what I want to know is what beachgoers are getting the pleasure of seeing Matt Barrows in a speedo this month. <laughs> Which beachgoers get to see me without my shirt off? Um, uh, I think you're going to have to be in a pretty remote spot. Uh, you might have to be on the coast of Maine in order to catch that. So, and in Maine, you know, it, it could be 65 degrees or 58 degrees. So, there's a good chance that the shirt never comes off anyway. So, you you, it, you probably shouldn't make a special trip to the East Coast just to see that. He's the 49ers beat writer for the Sacramento Bee. Look for him at your local beach or your local Safeway. Follow him on Twitter, at Matt Barrows. Thanks again, Matt, for joining us. Anytime, guys. All right, good info. I like the uh, <laughs> the whole uh, the French laundry thing. Right. It, it, that, <laughs> it's a great story. That whole story. We got a nice inside scoop there, too. Yeah, that was nice. The whole story is amazing, too, because especially just knowing, I mean, I don't know either one of these guys uh, personally, but Cal Kami and Jed York both, it almost seemed like it was too perfect. Like, it kind of had to happen that way. You know what I mean? It's such a great story to see something like real life spills over to this uh, goofy business that we follow with with football and sports. My favorite part of the whole interview is the fact that, you know, Barrows ran into him at Safeway uh, and Anthony Davis. (laughs) Yeah. That's that's, that's the kind of inside scoop we need. No one else has that. Come on. Things go down in Safeway. I saw an article a long time ago (laughs) about how the uh, Safeway in the Marina District in San Francisco is like the most happening single spot in the city. 
Just oh yeah, I just, heard that as well. Like yeah. that's the the place to. I think the article was entitled like "The Place to Find Your Next Girlfriend" or something like that. <laughs> yeah, uh, did it work for you? Is that where you found <laughs> your did not. future no, wife? I, I met no. mine at work. Oh, okay, that's the other best. That's actually the best place. I think that's that the most the common best. place to find someone is actually at work. You know, they have a, a steady job that way. Yeah, exactly. You know, if if uh, you get fired, they can carry you for a while. Exactly. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> All right. So um, before we get on to our, our top five here, yeah. um, something we haven't even touched on here, not not the biggest deal in the world, but a little bit of a heartbreak. The Hain train hung him up. Yes, that you was know, since that was we've been gone. I was really looking forward to seeing him in his second training camp, you know, and he, he yeah. put all that work in and he's never going to get to see the fruit of all the work and, and all the football learning he did. Uh, and that's that's a bummer. I wonder if there was some behind-the-scenes stuff there where the coaching staff was like, look, it's just never going to happen. It's hard to – I mean, these guys have been playing football since they were, you know, 10 years old. Yeah. And to come in and learn it all in one year, that's tough. But he showed such natural ability to do some things. Um, and I was really hoping yeah. that that Chip and the coaching staff would be able to at least find some, you know, because there's not a lot of explosive players on offense right now. They didn't really add much to the receiving core. They didn't add to the uh, to the running back – situation so it's carlos Hyde, yeah, you, it's tory smith and, and a whole bunch of question marks well and you're gonna take a chance on you know moving bruce miller to to possibly have an run wide receiver or something what about a guy like jared hayne i mean I, I get it you know you probably don't want him out there running uh running in the slot if if you know chip's a guy that likes big slot receivers that can block because you know hayne has kind of proven that he's not the best blocker in the world but you're talking about a world-class athlete here that that can break a tackle or five and has, you know, top, top of the line speed. And it's just a bummer to see someone like that just, you know, sort of walk away. And it was just a lot of fun to talk about. All our Australian and, and uh, Fijian listeners. Hope you're still hanging know, on, hope, guys. Yeah, yeah. I hope you guys still uh, stay tuned. And maybe you've become a 49er fan because of him. Yeah. In which case, yeah, I'm glad he came over. Hopefully you stuck around through all that really bad football. And it's only going to get better <laughs> from there, I promise. I promise <laughs> it's it, it can't get much worse. <laughs> That's right. Okay, it's Cap versus Gabbert. Are you ready to do All this? All right. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, okay. do you want to go first or second? Well, uh, I, I want to hear your top five first. All right. I want to cross-examine like your top five. No, I, I want to hear where you're going to go with Kaepernick because uh, Gabbert's the obvious choice. I mean, come on. <laughs> well, okay, why so is that? Number five, top five reasons Gabbert should win the job over Kaepernick. Number five, it's just you know, it, it's early. It's a small sample size, but. It's his time in the system so far. I mean, Gabbard spent all the offseason workouts working with the first-team offense, building trust with the offensive line, working on his timing with the receivers. I know we're three months away, but, you know, Kaepernick spent zero time in the huddle with those first-team guys. When he was running seven-on-seven, he was running with the second team. And it's it's one thing to read and watch how Chip Kelly's system works, but it's a whole different thing to actually work in it. I'll give you that one. Number four. Okay, yeah, that's, number four. Uh, great point. Upside. We've seen the upside of Kaepernick. It, it, it's fantastic. But you know, that was when he had an amazing offensive line, and he had a Hall of Fame running back behind him, not to mention one of the best defenses in the league for multiple seasons. And we definitely have not seen Gabbert's upside. His rookie season was thrust into a horrible situation in Jacksonville. He was 22 years old, no tools around him, bad offensive line, sacked 40 times in just 14 games. In his second season, he tore his labrum and his throwing shoulder in his third game of the season, played through it. 
until he was placed on IR about halfway through the season. Third season in the NFL, dude broke his thumb in the preseason, only played in three games. Year four, joined the 49ers through what, like seven passes? And then year five was last year. So this is this is a, a number one, you know, first round draft pick, a guy who coming out of Missouri, you know, looked looked to be the real deal. He had the size, had the speed, had the arm strength, had the accuracy. And I just don't think he's really gotten a fair shot. And now the fact that he has a chance to to win a starting job in a quarterback friendly offense, I think the upside for Gabbert is is huge going into this season. So number you're, three, you're I would no, real quick on that one. Your argument for upside is more that we haven't seen what it is yet. Right. Okay. We've seen Kaepernick say we know it's good, but is that it? Like, is he already on the, the downside right. okay. of his you. career? Whereas G- Gabbert hasn't even played that much. The dude's been you know, had minor injuries that have kept him out. So number three, the eye test. And this just looking back to last season. Gabbert looked a lot better at quarterback than Kaepernick. And nearly every offensive statistic will back up that statement. Number two, accuracy, something Kaepernick's never been known for. 59% last year, 60.5% in 2014, 584 in 2013. The guy never got, or he averaged just over 58% in four years at Nevada. In two years as a starter at Missouri, Gabbert's completion percentage was over 61%. Last season, he was 63.1%. It's, you know, we can say that his time in Jacksonville was definitely brutal and, and we could, you know, bring in those numbers still pretty much all better than what Kaepernick has done. And, and we're talking about a guy that last season with his 63.1% completion percentage, he averaged over 35 attempts per game. Cap averaged 30 attempts per game. So the guy's throwing more and he's completing more passes. They, they started the same number of games. I, I really like uh, what Gabbert can do with his accuracy in this Chip Kelly offense. And, and number one right now is it's a tough one. It's it's got to be loyalty, and that you know Kaepernick's done some pretty significant damage to his image in the locker room with the fans just because of his offseason request for a trade. Look, I get it. You know, it's a business. The team, you know, and in front office, they do the same sort of thing. They're, they're always looking for you know what's the best situation for them. But you know, the guys don't forget that sort of thing. He he said he wanted out. Can the guys in the locker room get behind a guy like Kaepernick? Whereas, you know, Gabbert's been there. Gabbert started eight games for them. Gabbert, you know, won three games in a very tough situation, including the last game of the season. And I really just feel like, you know, Gabbert's been there. He's been there throughout the offseason. He's actually getting a chance to play with these guys. He's building a rapport. And I think that that sort of loyalty is, is definitely Gabbert's biggest advantage right now over Kaepernick. Yeah, I mean, those are all great points, um, and I don't really have a horse in this race. For me, I mean, it's all about competition. I'm really excited to see how this this turns out, but um, I do have some really – and actually, when I started doing this and, and trying to figure out what um, you know, you know, what advantages Colin might have over Blaine, I, I was surprised at some of the – I was kind of convinced myself that, that maybe it actually really is Kaepernick that has the advantage, or not, not that has the advantage, but maybe should be the guy – Eventually, and uh, <laughs> I, I, I kind of did the same thing did, with my yeah. Gabbert research. Yeah, you know so, me; I, I love Colin Kaepernick, but <laughs> I think you, you start crunching the numbers, and you you know you, you take a pro stance on something, and it's it's hard to to go the other way. Right? I think that says more about like the psychology of us. You know, you know when you draft a, a crappy player on your fantasy team, and you won't trade him to anybody for anything. Right. It's one of those right, scenarios. Right. By the way, we have a fantasy football draft coming up uh, later on we in do. the uh, in the summer, so that's going to be fun. Um, number five for me. 
Kaepernick should win because of the investment. And it kind of ties in with what you talked about uh, with the loyalty there a little bit with Gabbard. Um, uh, right or wrong, you know, money has long been a factor in playing time around the league. And um, he's got a contract. And beyond money even, um, you know, Gabbard's a free agent next year. Uh, you don't know what you're going to have to pay him, what it's going to take to bring him back. Um, it'd be, have to be an overwhelming win to, 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 to lose money on the cap investment and then have to pay more money on top to Gabbert to bring him back. And, and the investment with the fans. I mean, Kaepernick, it's going to be interesting to see how much he has to repair his image. I mean, it, we talked about it earlier and how he, he was all smiles in, in interviews at minicamp. And there's a lot of number seven jerseys out there, a lot more than, than Gabbert number two jerseys for sure. So, My daughter um, wears a seven, not a two. Right, exactly. So, um, yeah, there's a lot of investment with the team and with the fans uh, going back for since 2011 with Colin Kaepernick. So uh, that's number five for me. Number four for me is athleticism. Cap's running ability and Chip Kelly's zone read. And, I mean, that'd be such a weapon. And Chip hasn't really had that in the NFL this far. And I really wonder how... I mean, it's something opposing defenses would need to account for. And and Gabbert doesn't get credit for how, how athletic he is, and he can run a little bit, and he can he can, he can can keep the football and, and, and uh, get a few yards. But, I mean, Cap's in another league there athletically, and we've seen him run. We've, we've seen him make some spectacular runs, and uh, that would be really awesome to see just as a, just a, a pure weapon, not just something that's like kind of a show-me play, but a, a weapon on offense for Chip Kelly to use. Uh, number three for me, it's uh, more height, weight, speed. It's the arm strength, number three. Cap just has the ability with both his arm and legs to make big plays. Uh, Gabbert, at his best last year, was sort of a check down Charlie, and Cap can really make some intermediate throws that a lot of guys just don't have the fastball to make. Both Cap and Blaine probably need a little bit of work on the deep ball, and um, Cap needs obviously work a little bit on the short stuff, getting the ball out quicker, and we'll see if the contacts help in, in that regard. But, um, yeah, the arm strength, and that all kind of adds up to my number two, which, and it's funny that this was one of your arguments for Gabbert, but upside. And <laughs> we haven't seen Gabbert's peak yet, probably, but we have seen, and actually, hopefully, we haven't seen Cap's peak, but Cap's played better football than Blaine Gabbert has in the NFL. No and doubt about it. it. And it goes beyond, you know, arm and, and leg speed. Um, he just played winning, exciting, fun to watch football for the 49ers. And if we could get that cap back and maybe even more, you know, if you could get that cap back from 2012, 2013, running 70 plays per game. Um, I mean, hello, fantasy football sleeper, right, to tie that in. Um, and, I mean, there's going to be a lot of fantasy football sleepers on the 49ers. That's going to be fun to watch, yeah. too. Like some draftable okay. players this year, just pure volume. There's going to be players <laughs> running a lot of plays, right? Um, yeah, they're going to have three wide receivers that are going to be relevant, I think. Right, exactly. Uh, but Cap we don't has, know who those are going to be. But. We don't know yet. But if you have some insight, you might be able to to beat out some of your foes in your fantasy football league and steal some players late in the draft uh, that they don't see yeah. coming. Everyone's talking about McDonald still at tight end. Nope. No, thank you. Nope. He's not going to win the job. And he's if he did win the job, he would just make you angry. Uh, but, yeah, upside. Cap at his height, better than Blaine, I think, even at his maximum that you could foresee. And number one for me. Uh, this is actually an underlying theme for the the entire San Francisco 49ers in 2016. It's redemption. Uh, that should be the DVD title. I think we we talked about the 2015 <laughs> DVD, DVD title was something like uh, 
the colostomy bag of despair. I don't know. <laughs> it was something. That, that, that fits. Yeah, it was something really horrible. Uh, 2016 is about redemption, and it's really not even only for Cap. It's Chip Kelly, who was run out of Philly. Trent Baalke's taking a lot of crap. No doubt he believes his roster has more young talent than it gets credit for, um, and he probably believes a good coaching staff uh, can, can put that talent to use. Uh, the defense, Navarro Bowman, 100% healthy. Uh, another year away from that injury, Joe Staley in the offensive line, a healthy Carlos Hyde, even Jed York. I mean, especially Jed York, redemption yeah. throughout the building in Santa Clara. Um, and Cap is a prideful guy. He works hard. And I'm sure the last 12 months have been a wake-up call for him. And I like the idea of Colin Kaepernick and the rest of the 49ers coming into training camp with a massive chip on their shoulder. So number one for me is redemption. Yeah, I love it. I love your list. I love my list. You know, I love the the fact that, you, you know, you hear you a lot. If you don't have one quarterback, you know, if you have two quarterbacks, you don't have one quarterback. You know, you don't have a starter. You don't have this. Yes. I feel like either one of these guys running this Chip Kelly offense will, will do a fantastic job. And, I love the fact that they're they're gonna there's gonna be an open competition and that and Gabbert does have athleticism. Kaepernick does have athleticism. You know, there, there's a lot of a lot of these for both of us. These numbers that we went down, you know, they they can go for either guy. You know, either one of these guys can win this job, and either one of these guys can have a, a great season. I I truly believe that. Uh, I just I look forward to the competition. And I look forward to seeing who's going to be under center. You know, come week one. Yeah, and and. Chip Kelly hasn't had, I don't think he's had a quarterback as good as either one of these guys, to be honest with you. Um, you could argue no. for Bradford, but Foles and, and Sanchez, I mean, come on. Cap and Gabbert yeah. are at least that good. Um, and for all the crap Gabbert gets for being a bust, I mean, Bradford kind of keeps getting a free pass, <laughs> right? Sam right. Bradford, he's still got that big contract, and he's still a starter in Philly. Uh, well, not for very long, probably, but right. <laughs> yeah, with Carson Maybe for Wentz one week. There. Yeah. So, uh, but Bradford's been a huge bust too, and so don't forget that fact. But, uh, but it, and that's that's the thing that got me excited about Cap when I started really thinking about it is is just the pure upside in this offense. Uh, it would be awesome if if the rest of Cap's game could click under Chip Kelly. That could be something that that's huge. And I did send out a Twitter poll yesterday to see what some of the uh, listeners thought about Cap versus Gabbert, and I gave him a third option as other, and other came up with zero percent. So uh, they and it was tight. It was 52 percent Kaepernick, 48 percent Blaine Gabbert was the end I mean, result of you, that Twitter poll. And that makes sense to me. I mean, you listen to our arguments, you know, you, you look at the numbers from these guys last season. And, yeah, they, these guys are pretty close to one another. And they, I think they both have huge upside. And, you know, I, I did my top five for Gabbert, but I, I'm still in the Kaepernick camp. You know, I, I'm still I'm still on board with Cap. I want to see Cap win this thing. But if he doesn't and Gabbard out, outplays him, then fantastic. Right. You and, know, that that's just, hey, whoever can run this offense the most efficiently and give the 49ers the best chance to win, uh, I'm going to I'm gonna back that person 100%. Yeah, and going back to Twitter, some of the responses, um, the, the, the mo- Kevin said, both are better than Foles and Sanchez. Uh, so I think mm-hmm. Chip can work some magic. Competition should push both. And I think that's a great point. And I hope it's a pure competition because it's only going to make each one better. Right. But also what you said about having two quarterbacks means you have none. I, I kind of right. want it to be decisive, too. I don't want to have the thing where it's like, oh, we lost, so now where's the other quarterback? Because right. that's frustrating just from a fan's perspective and from a media pers- from all perspectives. You just don't, the, the most popular guy in town is the backup quarterback, and I, that's good. It, it, it almost has to happen that way unless someone runs away with the job and the 49ers win a bunch of games. 
And it, yeah. that's, you know, I mean, there's a good chance that they don't rattle off a whole bunch of wins to start the season. And it's yeah, just going to be a I, constant clamoring I, for the backup quarterback. And I, I really am not excited for that to happen. <laughs> no, no, that that's the worst possible scenario is that somebody wins the job and then, you know, ha, has a rough week one. And then all of a sudden, you know, talk radio is going crazy about right. the other guy. And, and I, mean, you who know, knows, maybe I don't we'll want this. That. I don't want whoever wins the job to be looking over their shoulder. And OK, yeah, if after four games. Yeah, if they're struggling, then then maybe you make a change. But I'd love for whoever does win the job to to get an opportunity to keep the job. And uh, via Twitter from Rich, the pessimistic point of view, uh, he said, either way, no one wins. That's, <laughs> that's if you don't believe in either guy. Right. But I, I'm ex- it's going to be fun. Training camp is going to be really fun. Not only the quarterback competition, that's going to obviously get the most press. And it's taken up a big part of this show. But so many, like Eric Rogers, 6'3", yeah. with some speed. Yeah. I want to see this guy in action. I can't wait to see some of these receivers um, the, the battle for backup reps at, at running back, uh, who's going to win that second inside linebacker role, or if that inside linebacker is even going to play all that much because um, there's a lot of talk that someone like Jaquiski Tart, Kwaski, sorry, right. it's, it's Kwaski Tart, if he's going to be sort of that nickel linebacker and and play that role. So maybe whoever wins... Get the best 11 on the field, right? Yeah, and, and I'm totally down with that. And it'll be fun to see if Jimmy Ward sort of wins an outside job and then moves inside or if he just sticks outside uh, across the board. And I hope to God the offensive line can make... The, the, the offensive line has to be good enough for the offense to function, and it wasn't last right. year. That's the number one key offensively. I mean, you can run as many plays as you want. If the offensive line is not good enough for the quarterback to throw or the running backs to run, it's all for nothing. Right. I mean, Gabbert, Kaepernick, one of them could win the job and then their offensive line gives them zero time. And, and you know, is that their fault? You know, it, is, it, it that's the thing that worries me the most, obviously, as I'm sure it worries you and, and most of the 49er fans out there, is, is what's going to happen on that offensive line. Is Trent Brown going to show up in shape? Is he going to, is he going to win that starting right job? You know, is Garnett going to be the right guard? Is Beatles going to be the left? You know, are, are they going to have Kilgore out there? Is he going to be healthy? And, you know, can Joe Staley uh, stay at the top of his game? And it, it, it's oh, man, <laughs> I know, I know we still have a little over a month or so, right. Until training camp, but I, I'm just, I'm starting to get pumped for football season. Uh, once camp does start, obviously we'll come back. We'll have all kinds of, uh, of shows uh, leading up to the season. We'll do, you know, our position battles, much like we did last year, you know, which, which rookies are going to be impact rookies and, and this and that. And I'm just, I'm just really looking forward to this. I love checking in every day with mini camps, you know, checking what Barrows is writing, you know, checking what Biederman is writing, checking, you know, these, these guys that come on our show, you know, I like to, to keep tabs and, and see what they're doing and who they're watching and who they're interested in things like that. And it just, it just gets you pumped for football. Yeah, we do have a good crew of beat writers covering the 49ers, so um, you do get a lot of information. I, it's funny because I try to check information on other teams and other players, and there's right. a wealth of information on you know, the tiniest guy, the last man on the roster, the 90th man for the 49ers, and sometimes third-round draft picks. You can't find any information, how they yeah. look in training camp, how they look in uh, minicamp and in OTAs. So we, we really have a, a great group of uh, beat writers here in San Francisco. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right. Well, let's let's do it. I think sounds I, good. Man. I think I pretty much won that argument for sure, right? <laughs> I, mean, I think that goes without well, saying. I, I was behind the eight ball there. I felt like <laughs> I put up a good fight. No, there you you made some great points, and it's funny that we had the same points a couple of times. I, I will say, yeah. 
I think your number two is really should be your number one, which is the accuracy and the ball yeah. coming the ball coming out quickly. I think that's Big. the number one thing that Gabbert has over um, Kaepernick for sure. And uh, yeah, it, Kaepernick uh, a lot of times last year looked scared to throw an interception. Yes, you can't have that. Yeah, you got it's got to come out quick and on time and accurate. And uh, yeah. I, yeah, I think you can't you're second not, guess. Get out there, you. know your reads, trust your arm, trust your receivers, and make plays. Mm-hmm. And we'll see the visor. Yeah, the new the new uh, contact it's, lenses. It might two point oh. If, if <laughs> but like to be honest, if he couldn't see very good, <laughs> how was this? Why how did it take this long? Yeah. He's like, well, while yeah. I'm getting my uh, my leg and my shoulder and my arm worked on, let, yeah. let's get these eyes checked out too. I can't see crap right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> you, you made a lot of money, buddy. Uh, I, I think they have uh, they they do work on eyes. I'm just saying. Yeah, and if um, a LASIK situation might have been, you know, yeah. you don't want to lose a contact yeah. in the middle of a drive, right? <laughs> that would be bad. I don't I don't wear contacts, but I my wife does, and they're they're everywhere all the time. It's like a package so over yeah, well, here, and there's a, a contact over there, and there's a squirt bottle over here. It's like, dude, how do you survive? How do you do anything? You could definitely not play in his locker room now. Yeah. He's gonna have Bottles a, everywhere. He'll contact have, lenses. He'll have a squirt bottle of that uh, contact lens stuff in his in his hand warmer on his uniform. He could just hire hire a squirter. You know, <laughs> yeah. just kinda... When they come in at the Gatorade, they just I... squirt the stuff in his eyes instead. Yeah. <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. No, Are don't get... drink that one. Don't drink that one. <laughs> All right, we're getting loopy. Let's get out of here. Uh, thanks to <laughs> Matt Barrows. Thanks to all the listeners, everyone on Twitter. Uh, you can follow Nick at Bay Area Wink. You can find me at BD Peacock. iTunes, subscribe, review the show. We have a phone line, message, text, 415-858-0094. Email, goldfaithful49 at gmail.com. And training camp. We'll be back. The down, the down oh, yeah. period sucks, but the for me, there's a lot of fantasy football stuff happening before uh, – before the football Doing season my gets underway. So. Doing my homework. Yeah, and I'll see you. This is my first year coming into your existing league. Yeah. And I don't think you're ready for Yeah, it's going it. to be fun. You, you got uh, 11 other very competitive guys in the league to deal with, so I, yes. I think you're going to fit in perfectly. Including one of our old guests, Ryan Covey, right? He's he's in the league? That's right. He's he's the defending champion, actually. Oh. He unseated me. Okay, so that's who I'm gunning for. Yeah. Okay. All right, let's get out of here. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. See you. See you.